Fighting for the Faith is listener-supported radio. That means we depend upon the generous financial contributions of our listeners in order to continue bringing Fighting for the Faith to you. Uh, Would you please uh, support Fighting for the Faith financially by joining our crew or sending in a donation to uh, support us financially? You can do so by visiting our website, fightingforthefaith.com. Click on the Join Our Crew button. That's a mere $6.95 a month. Or if you'd like to make a flat contribution, you can do so by clicking on the Donate button or making your gift payable to Fighting for the Faith and sending it to Post Office Box 508, Fishers, Indiana, zip code 46038. Thank you for your support. It's time for another edition of Fighting for the Faith. Friday, February 22nd, 2013. Interesting program today. That's all I have to say. Thank you for tuning in. You're listening to Fighting for the Faith. My name is Chris Roseborough. I am your servant in Jesus Christ, and this is the program that dishes up a daily dose of biblical discernment, the goal of which, help you to think biblically, help you to think critically, help you compare what people are saying in the name of God to the Word of God. There is no shortage of crazy things being said out there. We document a lot of it and compare it to an open Bible looking at uh, uh, Scripture in context to see if that's what Scripture says. All of that being said, okay, I'm looking at today's program and thinking I probably need to get right to it. In fact, looking at what we have on deck today, it's it's going to seem like uh, that none of the stuff works together, but there really actually is an overarching theme. A little bit tough to figure out, though. Let's just put it that way. So let's talk about what we're going to do. What we're going to do today, um, we're going to begin with another round of Pierce's Ponderous Prophecies. Uh, This will be Chuck Pierce of the New Apostolic Reformation, who claims to be one of the uh, 12 new apostles in this global New Apostolic Reformation movement. And, And the last time we played his prophecies, I couldn't make heads or tails of it. But hopefully round number two, things will clear up and we'll go from there. Once we're done with uh, Pierce's Ponderous Prophecies, or the latest installment thereof, we will switch gears and uh, head down to um, Elevation Church in Charlotte, North Carolina, to take a look at a new blog post posted by Stephen Furtick, where, once again, Stephen Furtick kind of misses like the whole point of Scripture and uh, we'll take a look at uh, his latest missing the point, and then we'll probably take a break after that. I've got a, um, I, I got a quick little Spurgeon quote that I would like to quote for you. Although I'm a Lutheran, there, I find some of Spurgeon's quotes to be just the right thing, and we'll take a look at that. And uh, the name of uh, the name of the post that I grabbed this from is entitled "God Does Not Give Fresh Revelation." God does not give fresh revelation and then we'll switch gears all together one last time to take a look 
at the latest Tim Tebow media furor storm thing going on. And uh, and what I would like to do is offer a little bit of some what I would consider to be sage biblical perspective on the latest Tim Tebow flap. Unfortunately, uh, Tim Tebow has caved to a lot of pressure, and we need to take a look at what's going on from a couple of different angles and don't mix them. And uh, and then after we're done with the Tim Tebow segment, we'll take a break. In hour number two, we're going to listen to two good sermons um, regarding uh, Jesus' temptation that he faced uh, when he was tempted by the devil. One from uh, Pastor Jeremy Rohde, the other from Pastor Brent Kuhlman. I'll probably play them in the reverse order that I just listed them. Which both sermons, I think, actually speak very well to... Um, the problem that uh, we are facing right now in the world um, and, you know, what kind of one of the major things we must consider in light of Tim Tebow's recent failures. So we've got a lot of ground to cover. I strongly recommend that you make yourself comfortable because of what it is that you are about to hear. um, I think it's actually probably merciful and important on my part that we play our standard warning, and uh, with that, here it is. Warning, fighting for the faith can be dangerous to your health. Listening with caution is strongly urged while doing any of the following activities. Operating heavy, deadly equipment, playing Farmville, or any time-wasting, brain-numbing activity. For sudden awakening at the sound of a particularly stupid isogetical statement could cause neck strain. Drinking liquids, drinking hot liquids, having liquids too nearby, not having any liquids nearby. The following medical conditions have been known to occur while listening to Fighting for the Faith. Cranial keyboard embedment syndrome, sinu-nasal liquid spewment disorder, steering wheel pounding clenched fist strain, continual gaping dry mouthitosis, and frustrative disbelief brain explosion. Please take proper precautions. Drinking straws, padding, and duct tape are recommended. What do you want to do tonight? The same thing we do every night, Pinky. Try to take over the world. The Pinky and the Brain. Yes, Pinky and the Brain. One is a genius, the other's insane. The laboratory mice, the genes have been sliced. The Pinky, the Pinky and the Brain. Brain, 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 brain. One too many brains in there. All right. So here is the latest installment of uh, Chuck Pierce's Ponderous Prophecies. And see if you can make heads or tails of any of, well, this. Here we go. And the Lord says you could be easily miss the ship that is going on around you. Mm-hmm. How many seconds was that? Like three, four seconds, maybe five. And so the Lord is saying that I could easily miss the shift that's going on around me. Uh Uh-huh. Do not miss the shift that 
to the earth realm above you. Uh, what? <laughs> what? <laughs> Do not miss the shift that God is bringing into the earth realm above me. <laughs> that <laughs> seems like an oxymoron. I say I am beginning to speak in ways to clarify what you have heard in past seasons. Okay, so uh, the, let me translate that there. So God spoke in unclear ways in past seasons uh, through Chuck Pearson has promised now to clarify the things that he said in the past. All of this while happening during a so-called prophecy that isn't making any sense. Right. Yeah. Um, Because clarity seems to be the thing that's lacking in Chuck Pierce's ponderous prophecies. We continue. I say if you will listen from heaven and not walk in the earth, your ears will be clear and your eyes will see. Hang on, I have no idea what that meant. Backing it up, sorry. I That didn't make any sense. Hang on. I say if you will listen from heaven. Listen from heaven. And not walk in the earth. But don't walk in the earth, even though God's going to cause a shift to happen on in the earth realm above me. Okay. Your ears will be clear and your eyes will see. So then when that happens, my ears will be clear. You know, I use Q-tips every night when, after I get out of the shower. I I don't have a problem with my ears not being clear. Um, and I can see out of my eyes just fine. Ugh. I say to you, this is the beginning of a new season. Uh, this is the beginning of a new season. Is any of this making any sense to you? I'm not getting any of this. Now watch what happens next. Of a new season. Okay, now apparently the mis- minstrels or the minstrels or whatever, the musicians in the background have now chimed in at the tail end of this so-called prophecy and have begun uh, speaking in tongues, which, by the way, this particular practice is absolutely forbidden in Scripture. Yeah, open up your Bible to 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 26. 1 Corinthians 14, 26, check this out. Here's what the Apostle Paul writing under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, said. So what then, brothers, when you come together, each one has a hymn, a lesson, a revelation, a tongue, or an interpretation. Let all things be done for building up. If any speak in a tongue, let there be only two or at the most three, and each in turn, and then let someone interpret. But if there is no one to interpret, let each of them keep silent in the church and speak to himself and to God. That's right. You, in fact, th- what you're hearing here, in fact, let me f- back this up so you can hear what we're listening to. Of a new season. Yeah, that particular speaking in tongues thing, that's absolutely forbidden by God's word. This is a d- direct violation of scripture. But <clears throat> good news here, folks. Um, just so happens for this particular moment that uh, I have uh, <clears throat> received... Just for this particular episode, an ability to translate and interpret whatever this person is, is babbling. So let me back this up here and and let's see if we can get the full message. Here we go. Okay, Chuck Pierce, the so-called apostle of the New Apostolic Reformation. He is a false prophet and not from God. He speaks by the power of the devil. 
and nothing he says actually comes from God the Holy Spirit. Flee the building if you value your soul. He is sending people into the fires of hell. Repent now and find a Bible-believing, Christ-centered church. You have been warned. Okay, so... (laughs) That was a lot easier than I thought. Well, there you go. I mean, this first time i've ever been able to do that so okay all right so pierce's ponderous prophecies part two included well a full-blown <laughs> interpretation of somebody uh, speaking in tongues contrary to the way scripture says to do it i think we should just move along time for a Stephen furtick update that selective hearing is an important aspect of your Christian walk? Well, (laughs) Stephen Furtick apparently does. And the weird thing is is that he's kind of right, and he misses the whole point. It's kind of hard to explain. And the reality is you're going to have to listen to the whole segment to get exactly what he's getting at here. But let me kill the music before I start singing again. That was close. Okay, so uh, without any further ado, from the Stephen Furtick blog, the the name of the blog post, by the way, is Keeping Out the Doubt. Keeping Out the Doubt. And um, so this is a little segment from one of his um, sermons uh, on the Sunstand Still series. 
And you're going to find yourself agreeing to a point with what he's saying. But trust me when I tell you there's a punchline here. And you have to actually kind of get the whole thing. And since I've listened to it, I know where what the punchline is and where he's going. You know, listen carefully. <clears throat> Here's Stephen Furtick. If you were to go upstairs in my house, which I'm just going to be real honest with you, ain't real likely to happen. <laughs> I don't like to take people upstairs because that's where you can let things get a little messy. If you're going to entertain people, you get a couple rooms for that, and then you do what you need to do in the rest of the rooms and keep the door closed. In the upstairs portion of my house, there's actually signs on most of the doors that have been constructed by my five-year-old son, Elijah. And the signs say things like this. No penguins allowed with a big X and a picture of a penguin. Now, they don't actually say no penguins allowed because he can't actually write the letters yet. But if you were to ask him to interpret the tongues that are written on the signs, he'll tell you that they say no penguins allowed. And all over the doors of our house are signs telling the penguins to keep out. And there's actually a funny little story I like to tell about. One day, Elijah asked me to help him make a sign. And I was helping him draw the sign. And we drew a picture and, and then put an X through it. And... Uh, and then I, I wrote something on the sign. I said, keep out. This means you. And I put it on the door. And uh, I said, who, who does that sign refer to? And he said, it refers to you. My son actually, helped, actually requested my help to construct a sign to keep me out of the room in my house I paid for. Now, as I was thinking about your faith and your life and the things God has called you to do in your vision. Okay, that's the important part. It, it happens so quickly. So quickly that if you weren't paying attention, you would have missed it. Let me back the audio up just a smidge. Listen to what he's saying, because this is the difference between agreeing with him or thinking that he's totally missed the point. Here, let me back this up. Here we go. So I was thinking about your faith and your life and the things God has called you to do in your vision. Your faith, your life, and the things that God has called you to in your vision. Ah, we're talking about direct revelation here. Not talking about what God's word says, but direct revelation. You know, there ought to be rooms in your spirit and rooms in your heart with a sign posted to let the devil know, to let the doubts know, let the fears know, let the haters know. Keep out. This means you. Okay. Now this is the weird part. I agree with him. If what we're talking about only is the written word of God. Okay. For instance, the devil comes along and says to you something like, do you really believe that Jesus was born of a virgin? Really? Come on. Right. That's, did God really say, that's kind of how he does it. Right. Did God really say that Jesus was born of a virgin? Yeah, it's, 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 see, it, it, that's where the door, the, the sign and the door really comes in handy. Oh, yeah, Satan, I'm sorry. You and your little doubts and your deconstructions of what God's word says, you're not welcome here. Keep out. God's word says, it is written, that Jesus was born of the Virgin Mary. Plain and simple. Get out of here. Okay? Or the devil comes along and says something to the effect of, <clears throat> yeah. Um, you and I, let's, let's have a little conversation and, um, you and I both know that, boy, you are a wretched, miserable excuse for a Christian, right? Come on, level with me here. You really think 
that you that you are somehow moral or you know that you're making any improvement in your sanctification because here's my tally sheet of the things that you've screwed up on just in the past 24 hours and whoa look at some of these yeah yeah you're you're you you realize you have no hope on the day of judgment don't you because i mean seriously i'm going to be there prosecuting you and I've got this on you and this on you. And yeah, according to my tally sheet here, you are quite the sinner. So do you really think you're a Christian? Do you really think? Yeah, in in a situation like that, Luther's advice from his commentary in the Galatians comes in very handy. You say to the devil something, the effect of this. Yeah, that's funny that you would say that because Jesus himself said that he didn't come for the well that he came for the sick he didn't come to save the righteous but he came to save sinners and thank you satan for pointing out to me that i'm a sinner because that lets me know that jesus came to save me and i trust that what he's done on the cross dying and rising again is for my salvation so get lost satan it says that Jesus came to save sinners, and you've done a fine job of reminding me that I am that, because that is truly what I am. But because those that's what I need to be in order to be saved by Jesus, you're just assuring me of my salvation. You see, you could do things like that. So it's not that you necessarily have selective hearing. It's that when those doubts come along... The sign on the door says, get out, keep away, and it has the appropriate written biblical passage to tell Satan to head out. Now, if that's where Stephen Furtick was going with this, but he's not, I would have been in full agreement with him, but he didn't. We continue. No doubt allowed in this room. No fear allowed in this room. No doubt regarding your personal vision that you're supposed to have from God. No negativity allowed in this room. Yeah, no negativity towards the the specific vision that you claim that you think that you got from God. Put them out. Selective hearing. Yeah, so he's basically telling the people at uh, <clears throat> Elevation that they're to have selective hearing. So here's how the conversation would go. Um, I have had a vision from God, and I believe that God is calling me to solve the global problem of poverty, that he's going to use me as a conduit to actually wipe out poverty on planet Earth. And your parents or your friends look at you and go, you do know that Jesus said that we will always have poverty with us, right? Oh, no. Don't you be – see, you're being a hater. This proves – See, in fact, the fact that you're disagreeing with me and trying to talk me out of it, this proves that my vision's from God. You're just being a hater. I'm going to write up a little sign here. Keep out, stay out, and then right there. See, that's you. that means you. You're a hater, and you're a negative person, and I'm not going to hear it. La, 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 la. Stick your fingers in your ear and go la, 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 la. Right? That's, how they, that's what Stephen Furtick is telling these people to do because you know why? That's what Stephen Furtick does. Stephen Furtick teaches false doctrine. He narcissizes every single biblical passage he passage he comes in contact with, and and he knows that he's got some pretty sharp critics out there who are pointing out the way he's mishandling God's word. So what's his solution? I'm going to teach the people here at Elevation Church to have selective hearing and not even listen to any of those haters because I know that God has called me to inspire these people through this narcissistic interpretation of scripture. La, 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 la. Get out. Get out, Satan. You're, you're a hater. Means that sometimes to hear what Jesus is saying. Not in his written word. Remember, this is about your vision. You've got to tune out 
what others have said. Selective hearing is the ultimate ally in the fight of faith. And I, again, I agree, but he's missed the whole point. Selective hearing means hearing the voice of God in the written word of God, not some unique vision that you think God has laid on your heart. You have got to learn to listen to the voice of Jesus. Right, and that's found only in the written word of God. Who says you can do all things through Christ who gives you strength. Now, see, now, uh, now we're quoting Philippians out of context. By the way, we, you've heard that used all the time. I, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. I mean, wh- I mean what, it was the Baltimore Ravens were quoting that, and no weapon formed against us shall prosper as if you know, Satan's going to form a weapon against the Baltimore Ravens, right? Totally out of context. Listen to this. Uh, Philippians chapter 4, starting at verse 10. I rejoice, this is Paul writing, I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at length you have revived your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity, uh, not that I am speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance, and need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Yet it was this it was it was kind of you to share my trouble, and you Philippians yourselves know that in the in the beginning of the gospel, when I left Macedonia, no church entered into partnership with me in giving and receiving except you only. Even in Thessalonica you sent me help for my needs once and again, not that I not that I seek the gift, but that I seek the fruit that increases to your credit, I have received full payment and more. I am well supplied and have received from Epaphroditus the gifts that you sent, a fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God, and my God will supply every need of yours according to the riches in his glory in Christ Jesus. So, coming back to the verse then, I, you know, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. That's not God's going to give you strength so that you can shut the haters out of your life, so that you can achieve some grand vision for your life that God apparently has laid on your heart. No, this is Christ giving you strength in difficult circumstances like persecution or hunger, need, things like that. That's what's being referred to here. So, yeah, the fact that Stephen Furtick here is misquoting the word of God and while at the same time telling you to listen only to the voice of Christ, well, that's just bizarre. You've got to learn to listen to the voice of God. I agree, and I'm only going to find it in God's Word. Who says that you are competent as a, as a minister of the, of the new covenant. Really? What verse says that? that? That you are fearfully and wonderfully made. Yeah, I am, and I'm a sinner, too, um, who's been washed and uh, blood-bought uh, as a result of Christ's death on the cross. You get what I'm saying here? An audacious faith. Uh, where in the Bible does it talk about having audacious faith? It doesn't. Will live in your heart, and big dreams will come to pass in your life. And big dreams will come to pass in my life. So he's not teaching you to listen for the voice of God in God's Word. He's teaching you to listen to the voice of God that you're supposedly getting inside of your heart. Quick, before we go to the break, from the Reformed Baptist Fellowship... Uh, you can find this at reformedbaptistfellowship.org. They have a Spurgeon quote up. And uh, the name of their post is, God does not give a fresh 
Revelation. I find this to be rather cogent and well said and well spoken by Spurgeon. Here's what it says. Spurgeon. Now, there are some persons who make a great mistake about the influence of the Holy Spirit. A foolish man who had fancied to preach in a certain pulpit, though in truth he was quite incapable of the duty, called upon the minister and assured him solemnly that it had been revealed to him by the Holy Ghost that he was to preach in his pulpit. Very well, said the minister, I suppose I must not doubt your assertion, but as it has not been revealed to me that I am yet to let you preach, you must go on your way until it is. I have heard many fanatical persons say that the Holy Spirit revealed this and that to them. Now that is very generally revealed nonsense. The Holy Ghost does not reveal anything fresh now. He brings old things to our remembrance. He shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I have told you. The canon of revelation is closed. There is no more to be added. God does not give a fresh revelation, but he rivets this this old one. When it has been forgotten and laid in the dusty chamber of our memory, he fetches it out and cleans the picture, but does not paint a new one. There are no new doctrines, but the old ones are often revived. It is not, I say, by any new revelation that the Spirit comforts. He does so by telling us old things over again. He brings a fresh lamp to manifest the treasures hidden in Scripture. He unlocks the strong chests in which the truth had long laid, and he points to secret chambers filled with untold riches. But he comes no more, for enough is done. Believer, there is enough in the Bible for thee to live upon forever. If thou shouldst outnumber the years of Methuselah, there would be no need for a fresh revelation. If thou shouldst uh, live till Christ should come upon the earth, there would be no necessity for the addition of a single word. If thou shouldst go down as deep as Jonah or even, uh, even descend as David said he did into the belly of hell, still there would be enough in the Bible to comfort thee without a supplementary sentence. But Christ says, He shall take of mine and shall show it unto you. Good point. In other words, all these people who are giving us these fresh revelations and telling you to only listen to the voice in your head, they're fanatical. They're fanatics. They're telling you to have audacious faith for the grand vision. They're leading you astray. They're not pointing you to the treasure of Scripture. They're pointing you to the delusions of your own mind. And that has absolutely nothing to do with Christianity. We're up on our first break. If you'd like to email me regarding anything you've heard on this edition or any previous editions of Fighting for the Faith, you could do so. My email address is talkback at fightingforthefaith.com or you can subscribe on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash pirate Christian, or you can follow me on Twitter, my name there at pirate Christian. Quick break, pay some bills, and when we come back, we're going to talk about the uh, Tim Tebow kerfuffle that's currently unfolding. Don't want to miss it. We'll be right back. If you want advice on how to have your best life now, you're in the wrong place. You're listening to Fighting for the Faith. You're listening to Pirate Christian Radio. We'll be taking your false doctrine now. (laughs) 
Holiday's Birdcage Theatre presents Church Day Select. seriously wrong with all of this. Uh, this is your captain speaking. Do not be alarmed. You are now free to move about the cabin and do as you please. Just whatever you do, don't question my actions or authority. So you're a brick salesperson, huh? Yep. But why on earth would you want to talk about something like that at a time like... Oh. Yeah. I'm thinking it's time that Mr. High and Mighty got relieved of his duties. It is now time for you all to buckle your seatbelts and hold on tight because we are about to start doing barrel rolls. He's going to do what? <laughs> Remember to always trust your pilots. I know what I'm doing. I do believe the ground is getting awfully close.
You can register now for the 10th annual Branson Worldview Weekend in beautiful Branson, Missouri, Friday night, April 26th, Saturday, April 27th, and Sunday morning, April 28th, 2013. Full details are at worldviewweekend.com forward slash Branson. That's worldviewweekend.com forward slash Branson. Speakers this year will include Ken Ham of Answers in Genesis. We'll also have speaking with us for the first time his son-in-law, Bodie Hodge, along with Pastor Jesse Johnson, a regular guest here on Worldview Weekend Radio. We'll also be joined by Chris Pinto with a brand new presentation. Mike Gendron will also bring a new presentation, as will Dr. Jimmy DeYoung. We'll also be joined this year for the first time at a Branson Worldview Weekend by Jason Carlson and Jared Carlson. We'll also be joined for the first time in a conference setting by Carl Tykrib. Full details at worldviewweekend.com. We have a family rate and group rate. You can go ahead and purchase your tickets now and receive priority upfront seating when you purchase your tickets now at worldviewweekend.com forward slash Branson. And join us April 26, 27, and 28 in Branson, Missouri. (laughs) The spring and summer travel seasons are just around the corner. And the last thing you want to do is pay more for your airfare, hotel, and rental car than you need to. That's why Pirate Christian Radio is proud to have Cheapo Air as one of our featured advertisers. Cheapo Air has over 18 million flight deals, low airfare guarantees, and 85,000 negotiated hotel rates around the globe. And if you visit our website, piratechristianradio.com forward slash cheap, we have a promo code that will save you an additional $10 off of Cheapo Air's already low prices. So visit piratechristianradio.com forward slash cheap. Write down the promo code, click on the web banner, and book your spring or summer travel today. And remember, a portion of your purchase at Cheapo Air will go to support Pirate Christian Radio. That web address again is piratechristianradio.com forward slash cheap. Thank you for your support. Stop listening to people talking about God placing a dream or vision on your heart. That's called direct revelation. That is not to take the place of God's word, scripture, scripture alone. Just a reminder, Fighting for the Faith, this is listener-supported radio. That means we depend upon you and your generous gifts, financial contributions to continue to bring Fighting for the Faith to you and to the world. And you can partner with us by visiting our website, fightingforthefaith.com. When you get there, you'll see our two friendly yellow buttons. One says donate, the other says join our crew. Click on the Join Our Crew button if you're not already a member of our crew. And when you sign up, what you're doing is signing up to automatically contribute $6.95 every month to the ongoing work and mission of Fighting for the Faith and Pirate Christian Radio. It's a great way to support us. It helps uh, you know level out the giving month to month so that we can continue to pay our bills, meet our needs, and continue to bring Fighting for the Faith to you. Of course, if you'd like to make a one-time contribution, you do that by clicking on the Donate button, or you can make your gift payable to Fighting for the Faith and then send it to Post Office Box 508, Fishers, Indiana, zip code 46038. Okay, now time for kind of a roundup of Tim Tebow news. Let's do this, though. We're going to start with kind of like what I would think is the Ground Zero article. 
From the uh, CBSSports.com website, headline reads, Agreeing to speak at Intolerant Church is Tebow's greatest sin. This is by Greg Doyle. Now, let me kind of kind of bring you up to speed. What we're going to do here is we're going to take a look at the at the uh, the headlines that I think led up to Tim Tebow's decision to withdraw from appearing at First Baptist Church in Dallas, Texas. Now, I want you all to keep a couple of categories separate in your mind. Okay. Now, <clears throat> Tim Tebow is just your, as far as I'm concerned, is your garden variety uh, celebrity sports. Christian representative of generic um, semi-Pelagian Arminian evangelicalism, okay? We're not going to make that the issue. We're not going to talk about that. Now, Jeffress, I think, kind of fits into that same category himself, and there's some issues that we could talk about, like how much they're spending for their new facility and things like that, um, but again, that's not the issue, okay? There's kind of, there's something bigger going on here, and this impacts all of us, and so what we're going to do is we're going to look at what I think is kind of the, the, the ground zero for the furor that has come up regarding uh, Tim Tebow's appearance at a so-called intolerant church, okay? Um, Jeffress is not a representative of Westboro Baptist, okay? Far from it. He is a man who puts out that, well, homosexuality is a sin and that, that there is salvation only in Jesus Christ. And that is what is the big brouhaha, because how dare Tim Tebow up here to speak at an intolerant church like that. So there's something bigger going on that we all have to address, and and we need to take a look at what's going on here. So what we're going to do, we need to look at the bigger reality of where we're at. We need to look at the fact that we cannot put our faith and hope and trust in men like Tim Tebow, okay? He was tempted and he fumbled, okay? And we need to understand that this situation is going to be coming to all of us. All of us are going to be tested and tempted regarding these issues. Not one of us will be allowed to not have to make a decision as to what you're going to say, because this is something that's coming to all of us. So what we're going to do, we're going to look at the uh, the sports, uh, cbssports.com um, op-ed first. We're going to switch gears Look at how the Huffington Post and how Paul uh, how Paul Rauschenbusch covered it, and then we're going to uh, leave the the final word to Albert Mueller from his uh, Christianity Today column that just went out called Tebow's Big Fumble. So that's what we're going to do. Take a look at this, and then to finish this out, the two sermons that I've picked for hour number two are good sermons that point us to the one man whom we are to put our faith, hope, and trust in. And here's the good news. When tempted, he didn't cave to the temptation. Jesus is who who I'm talking about. And when tempted and tried, he didn't fumble. So let's put it this way. This segment and the sermons that you're going to hear, they all work together. They all work together. To not listen to the good sermons is to not get all of the information that you're that I'm trying to put out there to help you properly frame and understand this. So let's go back in time to February 18th, uh, just uh, last week, and look at what Greg Doyle wrote. Okay, this is what created. You know, this is you know ground zero for all of the pressure that was put on Tim Tebow. Agreeing to speak at intolerant church is Tebow's greatest sin. Uh, 
Greg Doyle wrote, he says, Tim Tebow was about to make the biggest mistake of his life. Tebow has agreed to speak at a hateful Baptist preacher's church, an evangelical Cretan named Robert Jeffress, who does the work of the Lord sort of like Westboro Baptist in Topeka, Kansas does the work of the Lord. Not at all. Jeffress isn't as bad as Westboro. He doesn't send his flock to funerals of U.S. soldiers and have his sheep yell awful things like God hates fags, but he comes close too close. He believes he has said, quote, it's a fact that AIDS is a gay disease, so there's a reasonable reason to exclude gays from the military. Jeffress is a bad guy. He says Jews and homosexuals are going to hell. He says the Catholic Church is a satanic cult. He says Islam is a religion that promotes pedophilia, sex with children. Mormons, well, they're going to hell too, but Jeffress was willing to overlook that and promote Mitt Romney over Barack Obama in the 2012 presidential election because Obama, Jeffress said, is paving the way for the future reign of the Antichrist. Quote, I'm not saying that President Obama is the Antichrist. I'm not saying that at all, Jeffress said in November. One reason I know he's not the Antichrist is that the Antichrist is going to have much higher poll numbers when he comes. Tim Tebow supports this man more than supports him. Tebow is going to throw his weight, and it's considerable. We're talking about Tim Tebow, for God's sake, behind this preacher by speaking at his church in Dallas in April. And that is a mistake he'll never overcome. I'm not even sure he can overcome what he's already done, simply agreeing to speak at Jeffress's church. Tebow could change his mind today, announce that he's not speaking there in April or any other time, and it would be enough for some people. You even thought about speaking there. You support Jeffress. You agree with him. Here's the truth about Tebow and what he does to us. He divides us. Yes, but there is wiggle room here, lots of wiggle room. There are zealots on both sides of the Tebow chasm, those who support him unconditionally, many of whom probably agree with the theology of Robert Jeffress, and those who will never be anything but annoyed by Tebow's faith, his popularity, popularity, his phenomenon. But there are many more people, I suspect, like me, a vote to be swayed. And I've been swayed both ways, as I am sure have many of you. Tebow's religious views are not mine, but lots of us don't care about that. We're sports fans, and Tebow is a sports story, and he's one of the most fascinating sports stories in recent history. A truly great college player, a truly puzzling NFL player, maybe now a truly finished player. Whatever the case his ups, his downs have been fun to watch. And so for the last 18 months or so, since the remarkable, unexplainable run we had with, the De with Denver in 2011, I've counted myself as a, Tebow f a Tim Tebow fan. Many folks have recognized that. Giving me a hard time in emails and on Twitter about my affection for Tebow, that was fine. I wasn't ashamed to like Tim Tebow. I'm ashamed to like Tim Tebow now. More specifically, I don't like Tim Tebow now. I can't. Liking him means liking someone who wouldn't just agree, uh, who wouldn't just agree with, but would support Robert Jeffress. And I despise Robert Jeffress. And there are people like me, I promise you, thousands, maybe millions of us who have enjoyed Tim Tebow as a sports spectacle, but who won't enjoy this, who can't enjoy this. I suspect there are Christians, many of you, who are as disappointed as I am that Tebow would align himself with something as monstrous as Robert 
Jeffress, please read that sentence again because this column isn't an attack of Christianity. I don't consider Robert Jeffress's theology to be Christianity, a religion built on love. Jeffress speaks hate. Jeffress wouldn't have saved Mary Magdalene. He would have stoned her. Tim Tebow will speak at this man's church. Be gone, Tebow. I'm done with you. You see, um, <clears throat> yeah, uh, that that's in a sports column, in a sports column. Well, Tebow um, ended up caving, sent out a tweet basically saying that new things had come to light, and he has bowed out of speaking at Jeffress's church. Okay, this is from the Huffington Post. Uh, Rauschenbusch is the Author, here's what it says. Uh, the headline is Tim Tebow officially puts evangelical right on the sideline. In an astonishing turn of events, Tim Tebow has now canceled his appearance at First Baptist Dallas, and in doing so, he has officially placed the political religious right to the far margins of society. Tim, uh, Tebow's appearance was meant to be a, a pretty routine, if flashy, if event. First Baptist Church invited the football star, more famous for his prayerful pose than, uh, than his forward passes, to be a part of the reveal of their, ner- of their new church campus, which a press release calls the largest church-building project in modern history. Tebow was scheduled to speak on April 28th at 9.15 in the Sunday morning service. None of this seemed at all surprising. Tebow has spoken at many churches and Christian-filled stadiums in the past years. Uh, The First Baptist Dallas was surely thought of as just one more preaching moment for the football player. Just to be clear, First Baptist Dallas is not an outlier church. Let me read that again. Rauschenbusch is right here. Just to be clear... First Baptist Dallas is not an outlier church. It is headed by Pastor Robert Jeffress, a very influential conservative Christian voice, who leads an 11,000-strong congregation connected to the Southern Baptist Convention. The theology and the constituency is squarely within the mainstream of contemporary right-wing Christian thought. But what has changed is that the views of the right-wing Christians are now officially out of step with the growing majority of Americans, including, apparently, Tim Tebow. Dr. Jeffress has never been shy about his opinions, and he offered up some great sound bites in the last election. First, he called Mormonism a cult, but it is, and changed his mind when Governor Romney, Mormon, was Republican nominee and topped it all off on the Sunday before the election by saying that President Obama's re-election would lead to the rise of the Antichrist. Jeffress has also had a few choice words to say about the gays, namely the, that homosexuality is perverse, it, it represents a degradation of a person's mind, and Muslims who are following a religion that is a heresy from the pit of hell. While Dr. Jeffress has a tendency not to sugarcoat his feelings in, um, in most respects, he is simply voicing what Bible-believing religious right Christians have been saying for a long time. Jesus is the only way. Gay relations are sinful. Catholic Church is satanic. Mormonism is a cult. Billy Graham's website said this very thing, but was scrubbed in the run-up to the 2012 elections. So while it was not surprising that First Baptist Dallas would want one of America's most beloved and celebrated evangelicals to be part of their church's opening, it was surprising that a petition began to circulate through the change.org urging Tebow to cancel. And it is positively... Um, a miracle that Tebow decided to cancel. 
As recently as yesterday, Jeffress seemed certain that Tebow would speak at his church and told conservative radio host Janet uh, Mefford, quote, I believe as long as he listens to the Holy Spirit and to God's voice, and maybe not that of his handlers, you know, I think he will stand firm. But I believe that Tebow was listening to the Holy Spirit when he made the decision to not associate himself with Jeffress and his worldview. Apparently, it's got all these people now claiming all this extra revelation, and this is all playing into the Tim Tebow story. Isn't it interesting, right? We continue, though. Tim Tebow has joined the ranks of many Christians who are refusing to be associated with a particular strain of religious faith that is publicly connected with an anti-gay stance and flagrantly hostile to other faith traditions. Like many evangelical young people, Tebow seems to care more about loving and being loved by Jesus than the, pol- than the politics that too many automatically associate with him. In his press release, Tebow mentions that he was looking forward to sharing, quote, Christ's unconditional love at First Baptist Dallas. Apparently, Tebow, like so many of his, of his evangelical brothers and sisters, now feels that the religious right is no longer a place where that can be done. Huh. Interesting. Huh? Well, to kind of round this out, just to let you know, uh, Robert Jeffress is claiming that Tebow has agreed to come to First uh, First Baptist in Dallas once all the hubbub um, has uh, subsided. Yeah, here's uh, the relevant soundbite from a radio program, I think from... Yesterday, listen in. Uh, Tim Tebow uh, posted on his Facebook that he wouldn't be there. He's canceling because of quote new information. What 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 more do you know? Have you had a chance to talk to Tim? Tim called me last night, and uh, we had a very pleasant conversation. He explained to me that because of personal and professional reasons that he felt like he needed to lay low right now and avoid controversy and said that he would be, you know, uh, would like to come back to our church at a later date. So, you know, that's Tim's decision, and he has to do what he thinks is best. But, of course, all of this, as you guys know, this controversy uh, is uh, based on just really lies and mis representations yeah so there you go that was uh robert jeffers on the pathway to victory uh radio program basically saying that tim needs to avoid controversy right now and lay low lay low um let me read albert Mueller's piece this is uh just posted on uh, the christianity today website it's entitled tebow's big fumble and i think dr Mueller does a fine job of helping us understand how Tebow has really fumbled the ball. Here we go. Mueller writes, he says, For Tim Tebow, speaking at the First Baptist Church of Dallas, Texas, had to look like a great opportunity. He grew up attending a large Southern Baptist church, and an invitation to speak at one of the most venerable and historic Baptist churches in the world had to look like an easy call. He was going. All of that changed yesterday when Tebow, the National Football League's most prominent evangelical symbol, sent word through Twitter that he was withdrawing from the event. His sudden announcement came after a whirlwind of controversy over his scheduled appearance at the Dallas church. Its senior minister, Robert Jeffress, is no stranger to public controversy. His sound bites are often, well, incendiary. But his convictions, including the exclusivity of the gospel and the belief that homosexual behaviors are sinful, 
are clearly within the mainstream of American evangelicalism. While many complained about Jeffress's tone and stridency, the controversy quickly shifted to secular outrage that Tebow would agree to speak to a church known for such beliefs. Greg Doyle of CBS Sports warned Tim Tebow was about to make the biggest mistake of his life by speaking at a hateful Baptist preacher's church. Doyle uh, described Jeffress as an evangelical Cretan guilty of serial hate speech. Of course, Doyle engaged in hateful and slanderous speech of his own by associating Jeffress with the truly hateful Westboro Baptist Church in Kansas. Jeffress isn't as bad as Westboro Doyle admitted, but he comes close, too close. Other sports writers piled on. Benjamin Hockman of the Denver Post offered his own warning to Tebow after a season on the sidelines. The ball's in your hands, Timmy. You better not fumble this one. The controversy threatened to dominate Tebow's life so that the 25-year-old athlete withdrew, attempting to escape his predicament, stating that he has wished to share a message of hope and Christ's unconditional love with the historic congregation. Tebow said that due to information that was brought to my attention, he has decided to cancel the event, and then he pledged to use the platform God has blessed me with to bring faith, hope, and love to all those needing a brighter day. If Tebow meant to mollify his critics, it is not likely to work for long. Tebow has identified himself as a vocal evangelical believer. His church roots go deep, and it is safe to say that he has never had a pastor who, though speaking in a different tone, would have disagreed with Jeffress on the exclusivity of Christ and the sinfulness of homosexuality. He has given no indication that he has moved from these convictions, and his closest friends assure that he is not. Writing at the Huffington Post, Paul Rauschenbusch made it clear the controversy wasn't just a matter of Jeffress's tone conceding. While Dr. Jeffress had a tendency not to sugarcoat his feelings, he is nonetheless voicing what evangelical Christians have been saying for a long time. The central scandal here is the belief that Jesus is the only Savior and that homosexual behavior is a sin. In terms of the larger public debate is the issue of homosexuality that has predominated the larger public debate at least for now. The Tebow controversy comes weeks after, just weeks after, evangelical pastor Louis Giglio withdrew from delivering a prayer at President Barack Obama's second inaugural ceremony. Giglio had been outed as having preached a message almost 20 years ago that affirmed the sinfulness of homosexuality and stressed that, quote, the only way out of homosexual lifestyle is through the healing power of Jesus. No one could have could accuse Giglio of stridency or reckless language, famously non-confrontational on such issues. He even explained that homosexual has not been in the range of my priorities in the past 15 years, a fact that puzzled many evangelicals who wondered what guidance the young people in Giglio's church had been receiving from him on this issue for a decade and a half. Under a glare of intense and even overwhelming controversy, Giglio withdrew from the inaugural ceremony, and Tebow has withdrawn from speaking at First Baptist Church. Both did so in an effort to escape a controversy that threatened to hinder their efforts to represent Christ in a a whimsome way. Both decisions are understandable in light of the pressure, but neither Giglio nor Tebow can escape the question that the larger world is now pressing upon them. What exactly do you believe about homosexuality? No statement short of celebrating and affirming the normalization of homosexuality will be found acceptable to those demanding an answer. 
Writing for Yahoo Sports, Jay Busby stated what is now obvious. Whatever the reason for his cancellation, Tebow is fast approaching the point where he'll need to make more definitive stands on his own. There are plenty of people needing him to speak up for one reason or another. He'll need to decide how public to go with his perspective on Christianity. He has the power and potential to be an influential voice for his religion, but he'll need to decide how much of that religion he wishes to demonstrate. Now, take out Tebow's name and insert your own. The massive moral shift taking shape around us is fast eliminating any neutral ground on this issue. Those celebrating the moral normalization of homosexuality will demand an answer from us all. Giglio and Tebow withdrew from controversial appearances but they will not evade the demand to answer the fundamental question, and any Christian who will not join the moral revolution will be marginalized as a moral outlier in the larger society. Evangelical Christians are now called upon to think strategically about what it means to speak truthfully and lovingly in a society that increasingly sees us as the moral outlaws. Clearly, we must watch our speech carefully, measuring every word for truth and tone and avoiding incendiary sound bites. We must also guard our hearts towards the persistent temptation towards self-righteousness. But, at the same time, even the most humble statement of biblical truth can now be turned into a soundbite described as hate speech and a refusal to affirm the normalization of homosexuality is turned into repulsive intolerance. We now face no shortage of arguments for capitulation, but abandoning the truth of God's word is not an option. We deny the gospel if we deny the sinfulness of sin. That sin, every sin, our own sin. Further, evangelicals should not miss this opportunity to rethink our focus on evangelical celebrities in popular culture, including sports heroes. For now, the controversy is over. Tebow's withdrawal from an invitation extended by a historic church. The pastor's statements um, have been the center of the controversy. Inevitably, the controversy will shift to Tebow's own statement, which he will eventually have to make. There will be no escape. Before long, the ball will be thrown back to Tebow. I hope and pray that he does not fumble it. I pray the same for myself and for every Christian in the midst of this tumultuous cultural landscape. Sooner than later, the ball will be thrown to each of us. And that's absolutely correct. Dr. Mueller has it right. You know, we did back in, in January, okay, I did the program and I even took out that segment uh, and put it up on our YouTube channel that basically said this message is outlawed by the official state religion of the United States, okay? We now live in a different time. We now live in a different time. And you and me, all of us, we're going to be thrown this same ball that Tim Tebow has been thrown. And this, trust me when I tell you this, when the ball is thrown to you, you're going to have a gun held to your head. And the, basically, the, the way this is going to work is real simple. If you want to be able to continue doing this or keep your job or your family or whatever, there's, there's going to be a cost associated with this. You will either agree with the culture that homosexuality is to, you know, to be a celebrated and affirmed 
and that Jesus is not the only way, this, or there was going to be consequences. Okay, It's very clear by what Tim Tebow said. Uh, to that, in that interview, you know, that at least Jeffress is saying that he told him privately that he's willing to come back after the thing blows over, that they're, you know, he's trying to lay low and that, you know, all that kind of stuff. The Tim Tebow saw standing for the truth, stating the truth on this issue would have cost him something. And the reality is this that each and every Christian, you and me included, we are called to take up our cross and follow Jesus. Crosses are implements of death. That's right. We're called to confess Jesus, even if it means losing our lives, losing our job. Tim Tebow, the right thing for him to have done is to say, yeah, I'm going to speak there. Because God's word says this, and his word is true. And if that meant that Tim Tebow never becomes the head quarterback of any NFL team, so be it. That's the cost. Keep this in mind. When it comes time for you to be counted on this, it won't be, hey, just hey, tell me your opinion. It'll be, do the right thing here. Say the right thing or else. A gun is going to be put to your head. Now, it won't be a literal gun. It'll be a figurative gun because standing with Christ, standing with God's word is going to cost you. It's going to cost you. Prestige, your job, whatever. We now live in a day where Christianity is openly persecuted in the United States of America because of this issue. And you know what? This is to be expected. Jesus told us it would be this way. So when the time comes, pray now. Pray now that you are given the strength through Christ and the Holy Spirit and his word that you will not fail the temptation. But like the apostles, like the Christians who've gone before you, you will give a sure and certain testimony to the truth of God. Confess what Scripture says and call sinners to repent and to be forgiven because there is no other name given by which men must be saved than in Jesus Christ. And yes, Mormonism is a cult. And yes, homosexuality is a sin. And yes, Jesus is the only way. This is absolutely true. So don't look to Tebow. Don't look to sports stars or celebrity pastors or whatever. All over the place and for the past few years, they've all been letting us down. But I know somebody who stood the test. I know somebody who, when tempted by the devil, literally offered the world, refused. And instead, chose to go the way of death, even death on a cross. And his name is Jesus Christ. He's the one we're to, we're to be looking to. And Tim Tebow is, well, he's just sinful like you and he's sinful like me. He's just as sinful as all of us. And in a moment of weakness, under the pressure of temptation, he caved, he fumbled, he let us all down. 
Pray that he repents and is forgiven and stands side by side by all Christians who want to preach and proclaim and defend the truth no matter the cost. You see, the world didn't like like Jesus' message. It ended up getting him crucified. And as the Apostle Peter, who, by the way, was crucified upside down for his testimony for Christ, his witness for Jesus, he writes this in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 12. Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you, as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice insofar as you share Christ's sufferings, that you may also rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed. If you are insulted for the name of Christ, you are blessed because the spirit of glory in God rests upon you. But let none of you suffer as a murderer or a thief or an evildoer or as a meddler. If anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God in that name. For it is time for judgment to begin at the household of God. And if it begins with us, what will the outcome be for those who do not obey the gospel of God? And if the righteous is scarcely saved, what will become of the ungodly and the sinner? Therefore, let those of you who suffer according to God's will entrust their souls to a faithful creator while doing so. This is what God's word says. Tebow has fumbled. Don't look to man. Look to Christ. We're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to listen to two good sermons that point us to the one man who, when tempted, didn't cave. Instead, went to the cross. That's Jesus Christ. Stay tuned. You don't want to miss it. If you'd like to email me, you know my email address, talkback at fightingforthefaith.com. Subscribe on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash piratechristian, or follow me on Twitter. My name there, at piratechristian. We'll be right back. Stay tuned. God doesn't need your good works. Your neighbor needs them. You're listening to Fighting for the Faith. Pirate Christian Radio Theater presents Death of a Salesman. Are ye a salesman? Why, yes, I am. Can I interest you in some... You're listening to Byron Christian Radio. The spring and summer travel seasons are just around the corner. And the last thing you want to do is pay more for your airfare, hotel, and rental car than you need to. That's why Pirate Christian Radio is proud to have Cheapo Air as one of our featured advertisers. Cheapo Air has over 18 million flight deals, low airfare guarantees, and 85,000 negotiated hotel rates around the globe. And if you visit our website piratechristianradio.com forward slash cheap. We have a promo code that will save you an additional $10 off of Cheapo Air's already low prices. So visit piratechristianradio.com forward slash cheap. Write down the promo code, click on the web banner, and book your spring or summer travel today. And remember, a portion of your purchase at Cheapo Air will go to support Pirate Christian Radio. 
That web address again is piratechristianradio.com forward slash cheap. Thank you for your support. I just doing, you might ask? Well, I just conquered the outer rim planet of Pico Pond with my trusty double barreled nuclear plasma cannon. Well, I just did in this video game. But how is it possible for someone like myself to play 13 hours straight and not get a headache? It's quite simple, really. It's because I wear gunners. When I'm rocking these babies, I'm unstoppable. They're not limited to just games, mind you. Oh no! I rock the spreadsheet, the PowerPoint, the word processor, and when that's all done, I hop my T-16 and fry me some toasters. If you want to get in on the action, then head over to piratechristianradio.com forward slash gunners. You gotta see it to believe it. We're back. Hour number two of Fighting for the Faith. Two good sermons back-to-back regarding the temptation of Jesus, which I think are right on topic considering Tebow's huge fumble. Don't put your trust in men, folks, or celebrities, or sports stars. They're going to let you down. But Jesus stood the test and triumphed. Let's do this right. Ugly, we review it all here at Fighting for the Faith. We're an equal opportunity sermon reviewing service. Today's sermons come to us first from Trinity Lutheran Church in Murdoch, Nebraska. Second, coming from Faith Lutheran Church, Capistrano Beach, California. Our first sermon is preached by the Reverend Brent Kuhlman, and the name of his sermon is entitled, When the Son of God, Jesus, Was Put to the Test. The second sermon is entitled, Without Blemish. Both sermons are preached from the gospel text, Luke chapter 4, verses 1 through 13. Luke chapter 4, verses 1 through 13. In fact, hang on a second here. Let me kill the music. Let me read for you the gospel text, and then we'll get right to it. You will find that these sermons pointing us to Jesus and his withstanding of the wiles and temptations of the devil are the exact antidote that we need in light of, well, what's happening out there today. So many Christian celebrities, stars, spokespeople, and and others are continuing to waffle and fail the test when asked to speak the truth regarding the Christian faith and what God has said. But Jesus didn't fail. Let me read the gospel text. Luke chapter 4, starting at verse 1. Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit in the wilderness for 40 days, being tempted by the devil, and he ate nothing during those days. And when they were ended, he was hungry. The devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, 
Command these stones to become bread. Jesus answered him, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone. And the devil took him up and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time, and said to him, To you I will give all this authority and their glory, for it has been delivered to me, and I give it to whom I will. If you then will worship me, it will all be yours. And Jesus answered him, It is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. And the devil took him to Jerusalem and set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down from here, for it is written, He will command his angels concerning you to guard you. And on their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a rock. And Jesus answered him, It is written, You shall not put the Lord your God to the test. And when the devil had ended every temptation, he departed from him until an opportune time. Here's our first sermon on this text. Pastor Brent Kuhlman in his sermon entitled, When the Son of God, Jesus, was put to the test. Grace, peace, and mercy to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. The text is the Holy Gospel. Please be seated. Dear brothers and sisters of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Well, uh, a mighty sermon has just been preached. We heard it a few weeks ago. Do you remember? The sermon was preached at Jesus' baptism in the Jordan. There, heaven cracked wide open. The Holy Spirit descended on him in the form of a dove. And then the Father's voice boomed from heaven. Yes, sermon time there. Word of the Lord time there. And the Father's sermon, you remember, went like this. You are my son. I love him. I'm delighted with this boy, Jesus. That was quite a sermon. A ringing out voice from heaven sermon. Anointed by the Holy Spirit in his baptism, Jesus then is equipped to carry out his Good Friday ministry. Yes, that's right. Son of God Jesus will do, and it is finished, salvation for the world and for all sinners on the cross. To fulfill the first divine promise given to Adam and Eve, you remember those violent, rebellious enemies of God and to all their sin-infested descendants. Yes, the Genesis 3.15 promise of the, of the Savior. Yes, Jesus has come to crush Satan's head and to free us from the red dragon's lair. Again, that's precisely why the Father preached those words at Jesus' baptism. Do you see this, Jesus? He's my son, my beloved son. I couldn't be any more pleased with him. After all, I've sent him to bear the sin of the world in his body. He will shed his divine blood as the only sacrifice that atones for, purifies, and cleanses from all sin. He will give his, his divine life into death to justify the ungodly. But now, brothers and sisters, now, all of a sudden, this week, the Father's sermon at the baptism of Jesus is immediately put to the test. Contested, disputed, challenged, questioned, and yes, the battle is on. A battle of sermons. And it happens when Jesus is on Satan's turf, when he's wandering in the Wilderness, the desert for 40 days, starving, emaciated, vulnerable, susceptible, at risk. Satan quickly goes on the attack. How does he do it? He opens his mouth. He speaks. He preaches devilish lies, insidious slander, contradictory speech. The devil preaches an impressive sermon. Listen, listen, 
Son of God, really? <laughs> oh, sure, Jesus. We all heard the Father say something at the Jordan, but, but did he really mean it? You know, now that I actually think about it and replay it, I, I'm not so sure that he actually called you his son. After all, look at you. What good is your father's sermon now? Is he living up to his promise to be your father? Oh, I don't think so. Jesus, oh, Jesus, you poor, poor thing. I hate to see you suffer like this. Is this what you call a Holy Spirit-filled life? Is this what it means to be God's son? If that's, of course, what the Father said. Is this how your Father takes care of you, Jesus? He lets the Spirit dump you off here on my home turf in my hood, where the demons rule and roam. He lets you just drift here all by yourself in the desert for over a month. He leaves you here with nothing to eat, not even like John the Baptist. At least John the Baptist had locusts and wild honey. You have nothing. Jesus, I'll tell you, if I had a cell phone, I'd call social services and I'd have your father and the spirit brought up on child endangerment and child abandonment charges. The father and the spirit, I tell you, Jesus, are not to be trusted. They're abusing you and it has to stop right now at this very instant, Jesus. So, Jesus, look here. Come on, come on. If, if you're God's son, then act like. I mean, take care of yourself. Fix yourself something to eat. You deserve it. I, I know your way with words, so go ahead and command this rock over there and turn it into bread. Go ahead. Jesus, there's really no need for you to suffer like this. People need you, and you want to help them. You want to love everyone, don't you? So, you know... Let's have a little compromise here, shall we? Just this, just this once. You're in extraordinary circumstances. We can even call it a once-in-a-lifetime experience for your ministry. So, you know, here's what I'll do, Jesus. Here's what I'll do in exchange for your once-in-a-lifetime worship of me. I'll let you reign as God's son with all the splendor and the authority of every earthly kingdom. Good grief. I'll give you all their wealth. I'll give you all of their connections. There won't be any more struggle for you, Jesus. There won't have to be any more pain. You can be God's son in that way. You'll be totally famous. You'll be totally popular. I promise. It can be that way for you, Jesus. Seriously. You know, the Bible says so. Psalm 91. Jump. Jump. The angels. Oh, I tell you, they'll watch over you. You'll suffer no harm. You won't even stub your toe. And you certainly won't ever have to die. Good grief, Jesus. The last thing in the world you need as the Son of God is, is pain, suffering, or dying. I promise you power and life. Now, whose sermon or whose word will Son of God Jesus listen to? Live on. Trust. His father's or the devil's?
This is a huge crisis. Seriously. This is an enormous predicament, not just for, for Jesus, but for you and me. Which sermon will he choose to listen to? Which sermon will he trust? And to which one will he cling to with all of his heart? One sermon gives salvation, another will dish out damnation. One bestows heaven, another will hand out hell. One grants forgiveness, the other calls out curses. Jesus stands on the theological cliff. And I'll bet you never thought listening to a sermon meant so much. But it does. What sermon Jesus believes determines whether he truly is the Son of God, Savior for you, or whether he is a total failure, Satan wins, and you remain in your sins and get damned in them forever. So what does Jesus do? He trusts his Father's sermon, not the devil's preaching. Oh, Satan, Jesus declares, oh, you're a sly one. But I will live on my Father's word and my Father's promise. Every word that comes from his mouth, not yours. Oh, I am his son, Satan. I will worship my Father, not you. I will not put my Father to the test. I am his son. I desire only to do his will. And therefore, I will go to the cross, Satan. I must. This 40-day wandering and suffering hunger is nothing compared to what is coming. I will suffer it. All of it. I will give my life into death for the salvation of the world. Yes, Satan, I will suffer. Yes, I will experience pain. And yes, I will die. Yes, the divine Son of God will die so that sinners are redeemed and so that you, Satan, are defeated, head crushed. Satan, you will not keep me from going to the cross and doing a good Friday. And Jesus did it. He did the good Friday dying as the Father's divine Son for you and for your salvation. You then are saved and forgiven and heaven is yours. You too then, brothers and sisters, for Jesus' sake, are too the Father's sons and daughters. The Father loves you. He is delighted with you as you are covered in Christ's blood and as you have been baptized into Christ's death. Yes, you, brothers and sisters, you, like Jesus, now wander in the wilderness after your baptism and sometimes in your life it sure looks like your father has abandoned you. And then the devil comes and attacks and he tempts and he lies in many and various ways. But Son of God, Jesus steps up to the plate again to fight for you. And how does he do it? He preaches. He unloads a flurry of his divine promises on you. He categorically declares, it is finished. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved. I am the resurrection and life. Whoever believes in me, even though he dies, will live. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. And so you audaciously dared to sing the third stanza of the hymn, A Mighty Fortress. Though hordes of devils fill the land, all threatening to devour us, we tremble not, unmoved we stand. They cannot overpower us. 
Let this world's tyrant rage in battle will engage. His might is doomed to fail. God's judgment must prevail. One little word subdues him. And that word is the gospel. The gospel good news spoken to you today in the sacrament by Jesus himself, given and shed for you for the forgiveness of your sins. Yes, the Lord's word of forgiveness is everything for you who suffer so much in this wilderness of the world. So much so that just a few minutes ago, you got right in the devil's face and you boldly sang the last stanza of A Mighty Fortress. God's word forever shall abide, no thanks to foes who fear it. For God himself fights by our side with weapons of the Spirit. Were they to take our house, goods, honor, child, or spouse? Though life be wrenched away, they cannot win the day. The kingdom's ours forever. Did you hear that? Were they to take our house, goods, honor, child, or spouse, though life be wrenched away, they cannot win the day. The kingdom's ours forever. Yes, that's true. The kingdom is yours forever. All because of what Jesus did for you in the wilderness and then on the cross. In the name of Jesus, amen. Amen. Now here's Pastor Jeremy Rohde's sermon, same text. His sermon is entitled, Without Blemish. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit in the wilderness for 40 days, being tempted by the devil. With these words, we remember that Jesus had just been baptized in the Jordan. The Spirit had descended upon him, and the Father had preached his baptismal sermon, saying, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. As baptized Christians, we pray, Lead us not into temptation. But God did the opposite for his beloved son. He led him directly into temptation to stand to stand toe to toe with the ancient serpent, with the roaring lion. The spirit that had descended upon Jesus like a dove now drives Jesus into the wilderness, into cosmic battle for the fate of our world. For 40 days, our Lord ate nothing. He fasted. He prepared for this great cosmic battle by weakening himself. God's strength is made perfect in weakness. When Adam battled the same serpent, he was well fed and surrounded by paradise. When Israel journeyed into the wilderness... God protected them and fed them with manna and quail. But God's beloved Son is afforded no such luxuries. Alone in the wilderness, 
without even a morsel of bread from his father's hand, he faces down the evil one. Who begins his temptation by questioning if Jesus really is God's son. If you are the son of God, he said, command this stone to become bread. Go on, Jesus, put an end to your hunger. Israel hungered in the wilderness and your father gave them food. Why has he not given you any? Perhaps you aren't really his beloved son. Perhaps he's holding out on you. Put an end to your hunger and eat just like Adam did. To which Jesus responds, not with a word of his own, but with a word of his father. Man shall not live by bread alone. Beaten, but not defeated, the tempter tries a different attack. He takes Jesus up and shows him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. And he says to him, To you, I will give all this authority and all their glory. For it has been delivered to me, and I give it to whom I will. If you then but worship me, it will all be yours. Think of it. The whole world, all its pleasures and wealth and power, all of it can be yours, and you can sit and reign as king. But Jesus had come to be a very different kind of king. The sinner's king, a king crowned not with gold, but crowned with thorns. A king who empties his treasury for the people by shedding great drops of blood from his head to redeem the lost, to redeem you from your sin. It is written, Jesus answered, you shall worship the Lord your God and him only shall you serve. Last but not least, in fact, deadliest of all, Satan took Jesus to the pinnacle of the temple itself. And Satan took God's holy word upon his own unholy lips. This is the greatest of all temptations, when the devil uses God's own word against us. So he says to our Lord, if you are the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, He will command His angels concerning you, and on their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone. Aha! But where, dear devil, does God's word instruct Jesus or anyone else to leap from the temple? So Jesus answered him, It is said, You shall not put the Lord your God to the test. For God's beloved Son came, not, came to give His life as a ransom for many, not by leaping off the temple, but by hanging from a Roman cross. God's beloved Son had come not to be saved by the Father, but to be forsaken by the Father so that you might be saved. 
And so when the devil had ended every temptation, he parted from him until an opportune time. Our Lord Jesus had done what Adam failed to do. Our Lord Jesus had done what Israel failed to do. Our Lord Jesus had done what you and I have failed to do. Adam listened to the serpent, turned his back on God, and satisfied his sinful hunger with forbidden fruit. So it is with you. Every time the serpent tempts you to satisfy your sinful desires with overindulgence or lust, greed, or self-importance, moping about, or fits of rage, lying to save face, or apathy of every kind. These are the forbidden fruits that we bite into, thinking they will fill us, thinking they will stop the gnawing hunger and give us life, but instead they only bring us more suffering and take us one step closer to death. Where we listen to the serpent, Jesus will not. For he knows the truth. Man lives not by forbidden fruit, nor even by wholesome bread. Man lives by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Israel too failed, just like Adam. Israel grumbled in the wilderness, complained bitterly against God, and longed to go back into slavery rather than eat what God had provided. And so it is with us when we are dissatisfied with what the Lord gives, when the bills come, when the troubles befall our family, when illness or age takes its toll on our bodies, and we wonder if God even cares, and we find ourselves grumbling and complaining against Him. Our Lord Jesus grumbles not. In fact, he suffers in the wilderness without uttering a single word against God. Even in the garden, agony overtakes him. As he sweats great drops of blood, even so he prays. And when the Father answers his prayer, Jesus' prayer, with a silent no, Even still, Jesus remains obedient to his Father. Even when that obedience means death, naked and shameful, at the hands of his enemies, a righteous man on a criminal's cross. You see, Jesus is everything that Adam and Israel and you and I are not. He keeps himself sinless and unblemished. Why? Why is that so important? So that he might give himself for you. The unblemished Lamb of God. The perfect and complete and acceptable atonement for all of your sins. Every failure, 
every slip up, every indulgence, every binge, the wrongness, the filthiness, the pharisaical hypocrisy, all of it is forgiven because He kept Himself unblemished for you so that His death means your life. His blood means your forgiveness. His being forsaken by God means that you are beloved in God's sight. Yes, the Lord Jesus knows every one of the temptations that you have failed to endure. He knows that you have lost the battle with Satan and your own sinful flesh more times than you can even count. He knows the embarrassment and the shame and the doubts that you carry. Even so, He does not condemn you. For He Himself, the Scriptures say, has been tempted in every way that you have been tempted, yet He without sin. The point of His being tempted in every way that you have been tempted is so that He might be to you a merciful and faithful high priest. So merciful, so faithful, that He Himself will pay the cost just for you and take your shame away and your doubt away and make you triumph over sin through the victory of His cross. With His bloody death and triumphant resurrection, He has brought all the tempters' temptations to no effect. And all the accusers' accusations to nothing. He has broken the jaws of the roaring lion. He has crushed the serpent's head. And whether you realize it or not, He is crushing the serpent's head under your feet as well. Thanks be to God. For when the devil did his very worst in the wilderness, Jesus stood. And he still stands. Still your advocate. Still your Savior. Still covering every one of your transgressions with his atoning blood. Though Satan would like to pretend otherwise, the great clash between heaven and hell is over. Jesus is the victor. Jesus is the new Adam. Jesus is the new Israel. Jesus is even the new you. For it is no longer you who live, but Christ who lives in you. So sin is incompatible with who you are. You have been baptized into Christ. Sin is a denial of who you really are. Your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. Sin is to be put away, to be crucified, for Christ now abides in you and you in Him. So go and sin no more. But if you do sin, know 
that you have an advocate with the Father, the righteous one, Jesus Christ, whose blood is poured out on the mercy seat of God for the forgiveness of every one of your sins. And not for yours only, for the sins of the entire world. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. You see what I mean? Jesus is the one we need to be looking to. Not to Christian celebrities and sports stars who, like you and like me, oftentimes, or more often than not, fail the tests and temptations when they come. Jesus never once, never once buckled or fumbled. He kept his head down and stayed on task, never sinned, never gave in, and went the way of suffering. And that's the way we need to go too. Follow your crucified and risen Savior. Take up your cross. Deny yourself. Follow him. The kingdom is already yours. Let the devil rage in the world, cast their aspersions and gnash their teeth and close their ears and say they don't want to hear the truth. You've heard it. You've received it. You're forgiven. Christ has already conquered. Trust him. He'll see you through. And he won't let you down. And he won't embarrass you. So what would you think? Love to get your feedback. If you'd like to email me regarding anything you've heard on this edition or any previous editions of Fighting for the Faith, you can do so. My email address is talkbackatfightingforthefaith.com or you can subscribe on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash pirate Christian or follow me on Twitter. My name there, at pirate Christian. Till Monday, may God richly bless you in the grace and mercy won by Jesus Christ and his vicarious death on the cross for all of your sins. Amen. <laughs>